Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 290 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis, and today we're going to be talking about evaluating and managing Morton's neuroma. We're going to be going over what a Morton's neuroma is. We'll look at some of the causes of Morton's neuroma. We'll talk about the signs and symptoms. We'll go through some of the differential diagnoses. And we're also going to talk about how to manage them conservatively and so much more. But if you don't mind holding for a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. You've all seen the name Chattanooga in rehab clinics. Chattanooga has been a staple for all your traditional clinical equipment needs. And they are now carrying modalities including high-powered laser, focus shockwave, and radial pressure wave devices. These modalities have the ability to transform your practice from both a clinical and revenue standpoint. Trust me, I have patients traveling over an hour to come have radial pressure wave treatment in our clinic. Click the link in the show notes to request a quote, schedule an in-person demo, or get more information on their new modalities. You can also visit their website at www.lightforcemedical.com. Welcome back, everyone. So we've been seeing a lot of people with Morton's neuroma lately, and I'm really not sure why that is. You know, is it all the hard floors, you know, hardwood and ceramic tile and and these hard... I mean, there are no rugs anymore. Like when I was a kid, every house, every room in the house had rugs. Um, and, uh, you know, everything was cushy under our feet. But um, I'm not sure if it's that. Is it the footwear? Is it, you know, being overweight? Is it being underweight? Um, well, so we'll talk about a lot of different reasons why people get this. And um, let's, first of all, start to talk about what a Morton's neuroma is. And Contrary to what its name indicates, it's really not a tumor. So OMA would generally mean it's a tumor, but it isn't a tumor. Histologic studies show that there's really no difference between a normal interdigital nerve uh, versus a nerve that is causing Morton's neuroma type of pain. So the only difference really is thickness of the nerve. So we have to, you know suspect that some trauma, inflammation, and, and you know, impingement of that nerve and overstress of the soft tissues around the area just make it get enlarged. And uh, as a result, it starts to take up space. And uh, the, you know, the interdigital nerve is most often the one between the third and fourth metatarsals that that are the ones that get in trouble. It can happen, you know, between one and two, two and three, and between four and five, but most oftentimes it's classic. Uh, it's, it's generally between the third and fourth metatarsals uh, and, uh, you know, from the mid-shaft down to the head. So what are some of the causes of Morton's neuroma? And, you know, there are tons of studies out there that talk about calf tightness being a cause of uh, forefoot overpressure. And, and I see this constantly because when I take impressions for orthotics, for Morton's neuroma or metatarsalgia, I will take that impression and it takes about two weeks to get the orthotic back to me once I send out the foam block. And so in that time, I have them start a very aggressive gastroxoleus stretching program. And it's amazing when they come back. Most everybody will say, you know what, my foot is feeling better already and I don't even have the orthotic on yet. Um, so we do know there's a direct correlation between calf tightness and excessive forefoot pressure, uh, especially in the plantar surface of uh, the foot. So tons of studies that show that. 
Now, uh, there's also a correlation between Morton's neuroma and having tight-fitting shoes or people uh, who wear high heels. So uh, for this reason alone, we see more women than we do men with Morton's neuroma. We try to uh, get them out of those heels, try to stretch that calf because the heels will cause a short calf. And then... Obviously, you know, we're just driving um, pressure right into those metatarsals. We're squeezing them together, just causing lots of irritation there. Now, there are some people that have forefoot deformities that uh, can, you know, cause issues and cause Morton's neuroma. So, you know, things like spurs around the metatarsal head or maybe a metatarsalgia that is starting. Um, and then you get some capsulitis that causes some irritation. But some people have deformities from birth that can cause some uh, neuroma, especially over time. So it's something definitely to look at when you're looking at diagnostic imaging. There's also, um, you know... S- work has been done out there related to some instability between the third and fourth metatarsals. So the first through the third are fairly rigid and and um, less flexible, where the, the fourth and fifth are a little more flexible. And so you get this excessive movement between the third and the fourth, which is, you know, why some people or more people get them between the third and the fourth uh, interdigital space. Now, we've always wondered, like, is this more with people who are overweight or more with people who are underweight? So we've seen Morton's neuroma in people who have started to develop, you know, uh, just an increase in weight gain. Like in northern Maine here, we, we're less active during the winter. So we tend to gain weight a little bit more in the spring, start to walk a little more. And we're just, the foot is just not ready to take up that kind of weight. But then on the other hand, we also see people with Morton's neuroma who are very, very skinny and have very little or no fat pad uh, underneath the plantar surface of the foot. And therefore, uh, there's just a, a complete loss of that shock of that natural shock absorber underneath the plantar surface of the uh, forefoot and so that could also be a source of you know why people develop a morton's neuroma and then you know we have repetitive strain obviously somebody is uh, you know increasing their mileage when they're running or maybe they're changing the surfaces they're on they might be in a different shoe the insole might not uh, you know be very shock absorbing and uh, it causes a lot of strain so that's definitely something to look at so what are some of the signs and symptoms that somebody may have a Morton's neuroma? Well, it's usually pain in the plantar aspect of the foot, you know, between the third and fourth metatarsals from the shaft to the metatarsal head, like I mentioned earlier. People will say that it feels like I'm, I'm stepping on a little stone or my sock is balled up underneath the, uh, the ball of the foot. And we hear that all the time. Now, what differentiates that from a Morton's neuro- or a metatarsalgia is that Typically, people with Morton's neuroma will have some paresthesia or even a little loss of sensation in the third and fourth toes, uh, and which you don't generally get when you have metatarsalgia. They'll complain of a burning discomfort, which is more common to nerve-related uh, injuries. And some people will say they just have this general aching throughout the foot. Uh, so, But typically more of a, a burning type of pain. Occasionally stabbing uh, if uh, they're walking on hard surfaces and they get this immediate pressure there. Um, so that's not uncommon. Now, we'll see this, uh, they'll get more signs and symptoms you know, when they are wearing like a closed shoe, especially a tight-fitting one in the uh, forefoot. And then they'll have more discomfort on hard floors and relief when they're non-weight-bearing. And then some of these people will develop lateral foot pain. And, well, why is that? Oftentimes, people will try to take that pressure off the forefoot. And instead of 
pushing off with the forefoot or the ball of the foot, they'll roll the foot into supination and load the fourth and fifth metatarsals a little bit more in the lateral side of the foot. So that fifth metatarsal just really takes a beating and it's really not made to absorb that kind of weight. Uh, you need to remember that, you know, if we really wanted the, the kind of the perfect foot out there, when you land on it, you heel strike. And then when you go into mid stance, you really want the pressure to be in your heel, the base of the distal fifth metatarsal and the base of the first distal metatarsal. And then your inner metatarsal ligaments kind of hold this natural transverse metatarsal arch up but as we get older and we wear and tear a little bit and we start to break down those ligaments start to fail and then the forefoot starts to flatten a little bit and you lose that nice transverse metatarsal arch so even you know over time this will progressively get worse typically so when we're evaluating people what are we looking for well the first thing I will ask my patient is when they come in is I will say put a finger on where it hurts. And I know that sounds stupid, but we really don't do that enough because people can describe where they have discomfort. This is common, like especially with neck pain or, or shoulder pain. They'll say they have shoulder pain and they'll point to, you know, like the C7 area or they'll point to their shoulder blade area. Um, it, have them put a finger on it and that can really kind of isolate where this issue is. Look for a callus pattern underneath their feet, okay? So if they have this really heavy callus pattern around the third, fourth metatarsal, you know that they are putting too much pressure on that area and they're even spinning off of that and causing a shearing force. And just that alone can, can put a lot of tension in there and cause that interdigital nerve to become inflamed, irritated, and thickened. Look at the soles of the shoes, okay? Look at the wear pattern underneath. I mean, soles and insoles can really paint a, a great picture. Pull the insole out of that shoe and take a peek at it. And oftentimes, you'll see with people who have Morton's neuroma or metatarsalgia will really have a big breakdown around that second, third, fourth metatarsal area where they're uh, really spinning off on that and breaking down that insole. Take a look at their calf flexibility, and when you do, make sure that you take a look at it in full knee extension, all right? Because think about this. When you go from mid-stance to terminal stance phase of gait, your knee goes into extension while your ankle is having to dorsiflex. So the tighter your calf is, the more pressure and the more time you spend on the forefoot. So I always test people in full knee extension and take a look at that. Really, optimally, you want greater than 10 degrees of dorsiflexion uh, in order to uh, you know distribute the pressure through the bottom of the foot much more evenly and less uh, less and spend less time on the uh, plantar surface of the forefoot. Also, check the sensation in the toes, okay? People with Morton's neuroma will have a little less sensation or altered sensation, especially in the third and the fourth toes. Might have some tingling in there, some shooting pain in that area. And then I go ahead and I palpate the metatarsal phalangeal inner space. So I go, I start, you know, between one and two, and that usually feels okay. I do between two and three, and that's generally okay. And then I hit between three and four, and I basically put my thumb underneath the foot and my forefinger on the dorsal aspect of the foot, right between that third and fourth MPJ and inner space, and I give that a little bit of a squeeze, okay? So um, that is actually a special test, and you basically just give that a little squeeze, and it's called a web space tenderness test. And um, if that is painful in there, you're more likely to have a neuroma-type issue. If you um, palpate 
the metatarsophalangeal joint itself, like the third or the fourth one, if they're tender there, then it may more likely be a metatarsalgia. If you plantar flex the third uh, toe, you bring it down uh, into plantar, the plantar, plantar flex position and they have dorsal joint pain, that may be more of a metatarsal capsulitis. Those will typically not give you the numbness uh, or sharp shooting pain into the toe. And uh, so that is something you need to take into consideration when you're evaluating these folks. Now, there are a couple special tests out there. I love to do the squeeze test. If you take your hands and clasp them together around the patient's forefoot, so basically you're looking at the forefoot, your, the palm of one hand is on the big toe. The, uh, the palm of the other hand is basically on the fifth metatarsal. And you give that a little bit of a squeeze, a direct squeeze. Don't fold the forefoot, but it's basically first through fifth metatarsal, squeezing directly through all of the rest of them. What you're looking for is uh, a, a, a pain basically in the area that they came in with. And sometimes you'll hear this very definitive click, almost like this here. And it's going to give you a little snap where that that enlarged interdigital nerve is kind of popping out uh, from between the metatarsals. And that can be painful. It can cause some increased paresthesia. And you can hear that, that click. So that would be a positive squeeze test. And then there's the web space tenderness test, which is what I just explained a while ago. And then you may also want to try to do a little plantar percussion test. So between the third and fourth metatarsal heads and between the shaft, um, percuss it like you do at Tunnels, like you would in a cubital tunnel or on a carpal tunnel. You can percuss that. And when you do, you may get a positive Tunnel sign where you get some paresthesia or discomfort that shoots into the third and fourth toes. So that's kind of how I like to evaluate for Morton's neuroma. Now, when we see these patients, how do we treat them? Well, Number one, I stretch the heck out of the calves, like I mentioned earlier. I am huge on calf flexibility. I'm a true believer that over 90% of people who have foot and ankle problems uh, is due to a tight calf muscle. And so I stretch them like crazy. But do not, and I repeat, do not have them hang off of a step where they are, they have the metatarsals on the front of a step and they hang all their body weight off and they're dropping the heel down below the step. That is just reaming on that metatarsal area, that transmetatarsal region, and just agitating the heck out of those interdigital nerves. So I never have people step off of, or hang off a step. I've actually treated people who've hurt themselves doing that. I am huge on slant board stretching so that there's full contact on the whole bottom of the foot, nice pressure down through the heel, and you get a great stretch out of that. Um, nothing wrong with stretching the flexor tendons. Using a towel underneath the foot and pulling those toes into extension can help with that. Take a look at their shoes, make some shoe recommendations, maybe something a little wider, but not something that is too wide. You don't want that foot splaying too much. Um, and one way you can you can help with that is to put them into an orthotic. Uh, I like to do a custom orthotic and or tread labs where I can put a metatarsal pad under there. But what I like to do is I like to reestablish that transverse metatarsal arch that they had when they were younger. And um, I also like to distribute the pressure through the shafts of the metatarsals and not through the metatarsal heads. And people seem to have this immediate relief when they get into an orthotic that has that well-placed in there. Um, I instruct people not to walk barefooted and uh, try to have something that's nice and cushiony, you know, something that uh, has uh, a shoe that's easy to put on and take off, especially in the house because people like to just 
kick off their shoes when they're when they're coming in from outdoors and then they just like to walk barefooted or in stocking feet. Both of those can be a little traumatic to uh, metatarsalgia or Morton's neuroma early on in the process. So you want to get that settled down. Nothing wrong with taking some anti-inflammatories to help with that inflammation. Um, the other thing you might want to do is work on strengthening the arch supporters a little bit. But you need to do this without agitating the forefoot. So like don't do standing balance activities on a hardwood floor or ceramic tile. That's just really going to agitate it. So I like to put people on, you know, like an Erex pad or something like that. Um, and just help to work on building some intrinsic strength and, uh, you know, maybe some toe curls or something like that just to uh, get those tendons a little more active uh, underneath the foot uh, and just develop a little more dynamic support. So if they, if you treat them conservatively like that, and I usually give people about, you know, three to four weeks, if they're not showing any improvement whatsoever, then they really need to uh, go in and see somebody in orthopedics. Uh, sometimes an injection can be helpful. Uh, so they might inject the inner metatarsal space, or some people might even do an intra-articular injection of the um, metatarsal phalangeal joint just to see if that is diagnostic. If the pain goes away then and, and that was intracapsular, then you know it's not a neuroma type of issue or an inflammation of the interdigital nerve. Let's say you get a little bit of relief with these injections uh, in the intermetatarsal space, and uh, but it doesn't last very long, and it always comes back, and maybe you've had a few injections. Uh, then surgery may be indicated if it if this is really altering the patient's gait and uh, function. So. There we have it, folks. You know, Morton's neuroma in a nutshell. I, I, You know, we call it Morton's neuroma, and it's just easier to describe that way. It's no different than plantar fasciitis. That is really, you know, plantar fasciopathy. Um, we just continue to use these terms. But I think understanding why people have what they have just makes it a little easier for us to describe to them. Uh, what the problem is and, and how we manage it. and But when they understand that, you know, the, the treatment will go much better. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Please take some time and go over to the Apple podcast uh, and uh, rate and review us. Uh, that would be awesome. It just helps others decide if the content that they're going to be listening to is relevant to them. And it also lets me know where I need to make improvements in regards to the show. So don't forget, we also do online coaching. For those of you who just need a little bit of a boost, you know, with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. I'm there for you. Uh, it's one-on-one, -on -one, you and I, and uh, nobody else needs to know about it. We talk about everything from anatomy to, you know, uh, helping you deal with coworkers maybe in, a, in an orthopedic setting or a PT, OT setting, and uh, even uh, any medical provider out there who is looking to improve those orthopedic and management, uh, evaluation management skills. So we're there for you. So I wish you all a great day. Be kind to each other and take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.